0: Alrighty, some things are changing very rapidly in the world around us right now. I personally am struggling to strike a balance between consuming as much news as possible and spending all of my time reading all of the things, literally all of the things on social media, but also balancing practicing self-care. Now that balance is so crucial because staying informed right now is vital. And one of the ways I have chosen to stay informed is going to news outlets in specified times for specified times and going to people I trust today I'm joined by one of those very people I'm joined by expert Jackie Kopel, who helps explain politics quickly and she's gonna answer all of our questions about coronavirus and make sure we're staying on top of it without the hysteria <laughs> I am so excited to welcome Jackie Coppell to the pod. Jackie is the creator of Everybody Loves Lincoln, a movement to help heal political divides through courageous conversations and comedy. She's also the creator and writer of the Smart Comedy YouTube channel and Facebook page, Newsy News. Her content has been featured on Upworthy, The Huff Post, The Atlantic, The Advocate, Crooks and Liars, and many, many more. She now posts a news update every weekday on Instagram break it down the biggest story and explaining it from all sides I am obsessed with her Instagram feed right now I am also obsessed with her she is one of my friends
1: hi Jackie how are ya hi it's so good to be here thank you for what, such a lovely introduction and for having me on yeah how are you doing how are you holding up right now Are you staying safe and well i am I am so safe I am so inside these days <laughs> I couldn't be good. safer frankly yes um no it's uh, you know it Listening to the experts, staying inside, and, you know, ultimately helping save grandma. So
0: yeah, exactly. Save grandma is my number one priority (laughs) right now. Um, Now, I want to say this before we go any further. Uh, We are recording this on Monday, uh, the 23rd. So when this comes out on Monday, on Wednesday, uh, we may be living in a completely different world. (laughs) I feel like things are just by the hour, by the minute, by the second. So just be aware of that. So Jackie, what is the latest and greatest in COVID-19 news? You just had a uh, big interview. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. So I just interviewed Dr. Ariel Pablos-Mendez yesterday. And he is, and for those of you who are interested, you can check out the interview. It is on my Instagram page, which is my name, Um, which I think you can probably see somewhere up there. And I'll Um, link it in the description box. Thank you. There you go. Um, So he is the former head of the Bureau of Global Health for USAID under Obama. And he is now a professor of medicine at Columbia University. He's actively practicing, sees patients, and is obviously very much on the ground with all of this COVID news and information and actively writing papers with colleagues around the world. So he had a lot of really great stuff to say. Um, generally speaking, uh, I'll just sort of go with like the highlights of it were, um, starting with the good news is kids are really okay. Um, all of the information, if you look at, and I'll explain, he's basically saying that this virus is acting a lot like the H1N1 virus from a decade ago. Mm -hmm. most of us actually got the H1N1 virus, we just didn't know. And we were asymptomatic, meaning we didn't show any symptoms, we just got it and then we built up immunity to it. Now with that, uh, I believe he said that there were, uh, with H1N1, 358 children in the U.S. who passed away as a result of that virus. So far around the world, there has only been one death of a, of a minor, of a child. Wow. Okay. So it just gives you a sense from a mortality perspective. The mortality rates are, are high if you are 70 plus, but if you are a young person, particularly if you're a kid, so if you have kids or any of your followers have kids or little siblings, whatever, they're pretty much okay. But of course they can be carriers of it. Mm-hmm. So that's why you still want to keep them inside. Um, in Italy, the average age of the person passing is 86, just to give you a sense, again, like of the very large range that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, um, well, let's actually get into that because there's a reason, yeah. right, that Italy has such a high death rate and they have recently surpassed China number of deaths, Right.
1: Yes. Uh, one of the reasons is that about 25% of their population are older people. Right. So just by the nature of there are more older people, therefore there are more older people, unfortunately dying. Um, but obviously the numbers, as they creep up, it gets scarier and scarier. The good news is the numbers are starting of new infections are starting to drop in Italy, which is showing that the uh, social distancing, etc., is starting to work.
0: That is really really important. So we're you know getting used to social distancing here in America. We are quaranting. How are you quarantining? And what are some best practices for social isolation? Because I know a lot of people look. There's a lot of bad press out there right now, and there's a yes, lot yes. of um, angry social media at millennials or Gen Zers who are out and about. But there's a lot of right. people who really do care about the health of their communities and care about their loved ones and care about other people's loved ones who are trying to do their best? How can they do their best so that if they are a carrier, they don't transmit the disease to others?
1: I mean, really, at this point, doing your best is staying home. I mean, unfortunately, so the way that things went down, so I'll explain a little bit of like why we're in such sort of a quote unquote extreme situation. So there's something called uh, something that South Korea did that, unfortunately, we're unfor- a little too late for, is they did what's called contact tracing, which is basically they were able to get testing done really fast. So when you have access to tests, it means you have access to data. When you have access to data, you can be really aggressive about things in a good way. So it, contact tracing is literally finding out who has the virus by testing them and then tracing whoever they came into contact with. Um, Unfortunately, there was a decision made by Trump and the CDC uh, about a month, month and a half ago. The World Health Organization actually offered the United States tests and we turned them down. And that was, uh, as far as my research has said, it's because we wanted to create our own test. Uh, Unfortunately, though, when we created our own test, we then also had problems. Uh, There were issues with the labs, et cetera. not only was a bad decision made, but then problems with that bad decision. So it it grew and grew. And that is sort of the core reason why we are where we are. Because if we had accepted those tests and were actively testing, we would know, or actively testing at that point, right, a month, right. month and a half ago, we would have data. So we would know exactly who's getting it, exactly who has immunity to it. That was something that Dr. Pablo has talked a lot about serology is sort of this study of immunity for people. And uh, if we knew who, who had immunity, we, they could be free to go and live their life and not, have, not let it be a problem. Uh, so that was sort of the fatal mistake that, that the Trump administration and the CDC made then. Uh, and so we're really playing catch up. Mm. So that's why um, we are having to take such extreme action, in, especially in his opinion, and why someone like South Korea because they had the tests, didn't have to, they really didn't do much social distancing at all. Right. Uh, China basically did both.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting with the, with the tests that from the CDC, like you said there were problems with it and that's why we're playing catch up. The other component of playing catch up was that the tests that were effective had to be sent out to Atlanta. And then there was a delay there too. So people are presumably while waiting for tests going about their daily lifestyles, Senator Rand Paul great example who while waiting for the results from his test was at the gym uh, The congressional gym and congressional pool. Um, I do want to say one thing really quick for those listening on the podcast We are also simultaneously streaming this on Instagram live. So I will be taking questions along the way uh, Just so that you're aware of what's going on. So uh, Harvey you find mama uh asks, is it true that there are different strains and that one strain is worse
1: Yes. The answer to that was that there are two strains and one strain is worse. Um, but getting it again, like once you get it, they've said you are immune to yeah, it, right. which, is, which is good, which is what happens with viruses generally.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So let's go back to Trump. He made, like you said, sort of like the fatal mistake of not accepting tests from the World Wide Health Organization. Um, despite him deciding to call this virus the Chinese virus, Mm -hmm. Um, Italian doctors report having patients with inexplicable pneumonia and other COVID-19 symptoms in November that they're now thinking might be corona in retrospect. Could this have been spreading worldwide before it popped up in China in December?
1: I, I Yeah. I think it, I, that's always possible, right? I mean, one of, the, one of the doctors in China, he was talking about this before the new year, right? Mm-hmm. He was the one who put everyone on alert or tried to, yeah. and then they, you know, China shut suppressed. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> them, Exactly. China shut him up. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, he continued to serve patients, which was beautiful, but he lost his life because of that. Yeah. Um, so yes, it's very possible that that's the case, and it's probably likely that that's actually the case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate that we're calling it this because there is a huge uh, increase in hate crimes against Asian Asian communities because of the stigmatization of those communities and their supposed part in this virus. Um, I don't know how you start your own virus, but okay. Um, Now let's get into, let's kind of go back to tests um because that is a huge component that a lot of people are really concerned about um Mm -hmm. that is definitely plaguing this this pandemic in the united states in particular so we're seeing an influx of celebrities and athletes testing positive for covid 19. now i have a feeling that that doesn't mean that coronavirus is more prevalent in those individuals but rather that testing is. is that accurate, Jackie? Yes.
1: Yes. That's, the, that's been the whole thing is that a lot of people probably have it. You just don't know it and you don't, again, you're asymptomatic. So yeah, just because you're like a famous basketball player does not mean you are more or less likely to have it. You are just a human who probably got it.
0: So when will
1: tests be ready for the masses, for the rest of us plebes out here? <laughs> um, they're coming. Interestingly enough, uh, Italy, in the dark of night, Get, uh, sent us five hundred thousand tests the other day, which was very nice of them. That is beautiful, um, yeah, isn't it? Um, yeah. And in fact, a lot of countries, Taiwan uh, is committing to sending us you know, hundred thousand masks a week, and um, really beautiful, beautiful rallying of people around the world. Um, in terms of the United States, now we have what's now there's a public-private partnership going on. So uh, Anthony Fauci, who's you know now America's favorite doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that certainly within, and he said this the other day, so probably from today, it's about, I'd estimate about a week and a half or so, we'll have you know enough tests for anyone who really wants one. Um, and it's building each day and more and more, they're creating more tests. Uh, there's a, the doctor, Dr. Pablos told me, Singapore created a test that you can get the results much faster. I mean, labs around the country are now working, uh, as I understand it, pretty much around the clock, but, you know, probably another couple of weeks. What is involved in a
0: test? I mean, Vice President Mike Pence said it's very invasive. What does that mean? Uh,
1: from from what I understand, they basically stick stick a little pipe cleaner, you know, or I mean, a scientific pipe cleaner, I guess. Yeah. But they stick it up your nose, like really far. Basically, uh, from what I saw, it was like sort of up to your eye area and then they pull it out and then they do the other side and then it's- they test it.
0: Exactly. And it's essentially what they do to test you for the flu. Now, because we're used to the flu, you're not used to getting a test for the flu, Um, but it's very, very similar to the flu. And I'm going to take an Instagram question right here. It's a little off topic, but is there anything besides
1: soap, water, and sanitizer or Clorox wipes that will kill it? Um, They say anything with 70% alcohol, basically. I mean, I've seen down to 60%, but yeah, be safe. So, so college with campuses,
0: frats with moonshine and, uh... <laughs> I mean, like, probably oh, not, it called right?
1: Jungle juice? Everywhere? Yeah. Well, Tito's Vodka, actually, uh, they sent out a memo. They were like, do not use our vodka as a secondary source. Yeah. Um, so, I'm not aware of necessarily anything else, um, but just, I would look for whatever cleaning product it is, try and find something with at least 70%. Okay, great. And so back to sort of what we we're talking about getting into the test
0: um a lot of people want tests right now because some people are nervous that they're carriers some people have symptoms so i will say that if you have symptoms do not go to the doctor do not go to uh, the emergency room there is a protocol so jackie can you walk us through what you
1: should do if you get sick yeah i mean basically if you get sick stay home Right? Like, just as you would the flu, only go to the hospital if you really are, like, if you're having trouble breathing, right? Right. For people who have this really seriously and it becomes a respiratory, a deep respiratory infection, and you need a ventilator, like, yes, please go to the hospital. But if you are just sick, and and I don't mean to say just because I don't want to minimize the pain that it, you know, the flu can be. But um, if you have a fever or coughing, just stay home. Don't go outside. Stay, you know, double quarantine yourself, whatever you need to do uh, to take care of yourself. There's also telemedicine. This is a cool thing that's actually happened that I think will have positive repercussions going forward, which is call a doctor. And they've lessened the regulations around this so that you, telemedicine is easier to do and um, just pick up the phone and call. And if they think it's serious enough, they'll call you in. And otherwise, they'll tell you sort of what's going on or what to expect. But I think that one of the positives that may come from this is telemedicine actually becomes a much bigger thing.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I do think like having that sort of contact with your doctor can be somewhat of a, a comfort blanket for some people now to be told, like, it's okay. And because I, I think the fears are so high around this. Mm-hmm. And look, if you were in an at risk, community. Uh, If you are above the age of 60, if you're immunocompromised, yes, people under 60 are, you know, represent 40% of of the hospitalizations. But if you are in one of those at-risk communities, I understand that fear. But having that conversation with your doctor, what can you be doing? What extra precautions can be taking can all take place over the phone. Don't go to a doctor. Don't go to an emergency room to further expose yourself. That's where people with coronavirus are. (laughs) Like if you're worried about going to the grocery store, like doctor's office, emergency room, a lot more dangerous. Um, So where are we at in figuring out a a vaccine? When will we
1: see a vaccine? Break that down for us. Sure, so vaccines take a fair amount of time. (laughs) The the, uh, Dr. Pablo said, he's like, by the time we have a vaccine, the virus is done. Yeah. So uh, the vaccine is 12 to 18 months away. And uh, so there's, don't hold out hope that like you're gonna wake up tomorrow and be like, oh my God, there's a vaccine. I can just take a shot all as well. Um, but they're testing gonna... out other drugs to
0: sort of repurpose them. Is that the same timeline that we're gonna see?
1: No, they. that's exactly right. And that's a really good point. So they're testing out, there's um, a malaria drug that they're testing out. There's one that was not particularly effective for Ebola, but they're testing that out. The issue is though, Um, you know, as much as we want to, you know, cut through the red tape, you actually do, you want to do it safely because Lord knows we don't want to give people a drug that then is going to actually be catastrophic and be just as bad or worse. Um, So they are testing those and they hope that that may become available sooner. But again, the timelines that I've seen, it's not like tomorrow or next week, uh, they want to do it safely. They want to speed it up for sure, which is great, but they also do want to do it safely. And I, I appreciate that. I do, too. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I just think
0: it's it's an interesting sort of dynamic here, right? Because we want the government to act so quickly. And I think some governments around the country, uh, the state of California has been acting pretty quickly, shutting everything down. Uh, New York's been acting quickly. So there's some, um, you know, state governments that are are acting quickly, want the federal government to act quickly. But at the same time, we want it to act safely. We want it of to act course. securely. And so I do think it's sort of like an interesting sort of like, oh my God, fix this. But also we don't want to, you know, start shooting people up with Ebola medicine that's going right. to make them sicker than whatever the coronavirus may do to them. Yeah. But that sort of leads me into, let's get into government action. What is the government doing right now?
1: Well, that I think that's a... Bifurcated answer. So what are state governments doing, and then what is the federal government doing? Okay. so you've seen like state governments to you know, I want to give credit where credit is due, and obviously, I come from the world of let's let's understand one another. But whether you are a Republican or a democratic governor, I think you've really seen the leadership at the state level rise to the occasion mm. um, and really work together as much as they can uh, and take care of their citizens. I've been so pleased to see how seriously they've taken it um and how they're really not playing in my experience my experience now it doesn't feel like they're playing politics they're saying like this is what's best i'm doing what's best i'm here for it
0: um Uh, shut down beaches and city parks
1: exactly they are not messing around no they are definitely not they were like oh you wanted to you you wanted to play play with fire here we're just gonna take the sticks away yeah (laughs) It's like, oh, that is that is aggressive, but yeah. good. That is great. To your point, yeah. I think like there are a lot of young people who are not taking this seriously enough. And um, because it's not probably gonna affect them, right? Wait, it's gonna affect let's get, people
0: I am gonna completely take this tangential yeah. I want to talk about what the government is doing and I want to get into what the federal government is doing, but there is a lot of um there are a lot of young people who aren't taking this seriously. Yes. Conversely there are a lot of boomers who aren't taking yep. it as seriously as possible. This is a huge trend that I've seen online. It is something I have experienced in my own personal life where there's people my age who are like, mom, dad, stay home.
1: What is the deal with that? I had to yell at my father. Like I had to actually tell him he was being stupid. And like, my dad's a brilliant man. And I was like, you're dumb.
0: You are. Like, it is it. the ultimate role reversal that I had never <laughs> expected to play out in my relationship with my parents. Right? Yeah. I'm... So why is this? Like, what? What is the reasoning for their
1: yeah.
0: lack of? I don't know
1: seriousness <laughs> about everything. So I saw one analysis which I thought actually made a lot of sense, which is they're sort of in denial about their age, mm. like. They're 70 going on 50. Mm -hmm. So they're like, yeah, no, 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 I'll be fine. I'm healthy. It's like, no, 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 you're not going to be fine. You do not have a special immune system because you were born in a boomer year. (laughs) You are not special. So I think that that's actually playing a fairly big role. Um, Or it wouldn't surprise me if that's the case. And then, you know, a lot of people are asymptomatic. So they're like, eh, you know, I'm bored or I'm inside. I'm like, no, no, no stay home people stay home
0: i think that's i think that's it i've been having this conversation with a lot of friends and people in my community and my understanding is that this is their generation is the first generation where 60 70 is still pretty young
1: yeah
0: you know what i mean and so they feel young which in the scheme of things they probably are but their bodies maybe haven't caught up but it's also a generation where Fitness and health has really boomed as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas in our grandparents' generation, we weren't pay, they weren't—they weren't eating spam and you know right. whatever they could get a hold of because they're kids of the depression. They just will mm-hmm. eat what they can. Um, whereas our parents' generation started taking health more seriously. They started taking exercise more seriously. So they're like, right. "What are you talking about? Like, I still, you know, get on the treadmill every day. I'll be fine." Right. I think that that mentality, which great for longevity, great for your mental health, not so great when a uh, virus, global pandemic, you know, decided to walk
1: its way through our streets. Totally. Um, Okay, that was a total tangent. No, 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 I hear you. But to the millennials, I will say this, like to young people, because we're millennials too, but like, especially sort of like, super young people, just remember this isn't about you, right? Like, yes, there's a very small, there's a small percentage of people who are getting really sick who are young, but this really is, I know we were joking about it, but this really is like, save your grandma time. Like, this is what this is about. It's not about you having a good time, it's a matter of like having more time with your grandparents so they don't, they don't die. And also, like
0: your friends, like you may not yeah. even know if any of your friends are immunocompromised, they may not even know. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who are discovering that they have a respiratory disease that they never even knew that they had because this coronavirus is really testing it. That's totally. big, one of my biggest frustrations from, from the get go is I remember right when this was starting, I started talking to somebody about, uh, about it at the dog park when the dog park was still a <laughs> thing. Still a thing. It's a relic of yesteryear now, but yes. um, I was, <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really concerned about this. He's like, whatever like we're right. going to be fine and i was like oh mm-hmm. hell no i was like that's such a really short-sighted way to think about this because yeah. i don't really like if i get it probably i'll be right. fine yeah. i'm not worried about me i'm worried about my 92-year-old grandma who's at home mm-hmm. totally about if i touch the door handle on my building and god forbid somebody here in the building has uh hiv and touches the door handle after me yep absolutely I'm not going to be a murderer in this lifetime.
1: (laughs) That's true. Five-year plan. I saw someone today who was a who's a lawyer, and he's like, "Could you be sued if you are a carrier?" And he said he thought that there was, a, like, he thought that that was like an open possibility. And I was like, what? Well, because I don't know are, if that's true or not.
0: There but. are legal implications. Let's say you have go to, to HIV/AIDS, right? If you have right. AIDS and you are a known carrier and you don't disclose that information before having sex with somebody and you pass that disease along, there are legal yeah. implications to that. So, totally. coronavirus could be a very similar scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess it goes into whether you know you're a carrier or not. Right. Um, but yeah, if you are sick, don't act like everything's fine. Tell the people in your life that you are feeling sick so that they can take the necessary precautions to monitor their own symptoms. Yeah. Um, okay. Super Tangent cool. done. What is the federal
1: government doing, Jackie? Break it down for us. Um, so they are currently, as far as, or in the last few minutes, I haven't seen anything, although I can do a double check right here to see like what the latest is. But um, they are... There're basically three phases of ah no they're still clashing. That's the the current current news great. Um, we got to put this podcast out in 2019,
0: 2018, 2017. Yeah. 2017
1: and still be relevant. Exactly. Um so there this is so what they're currently negotiating is phase 3. So yeah. phase 1 was a bill that was passed, you know, what feels like a lifetime ago which is just like a week ago or a week and a half which was 8.3 billion dollars. And that was just an initial we want money to go into research, money to support states, etc. The second phase of the bill that passed last week uh, that was went through really quickly was the bill um, really pushed forward by the House Democrats and then passed by the Senate and etc. That was worth just over $100 billion. And that, uh, obviously, these are that sounds like a big number, but just wait until how much phase three will be. Well, actually um, really curious real
0: fast. Um, one of our viewers right now, Scramble, wants to know, will he ever see any of that
1: money? So uh in terms of the hundred billion, that money it was designated for free coronavirus testing, expanded food aid, unemployment assur- insurance, uh some paid sick leave, et cetera. So it depends upon whether or not you're sick as determines you know whether you'll get some of that or if you're now unemployed. The money that you're probably talking about is what's part of this phase three bill. This phase three bill is estimated between one and two trillion, that's with a T, trillion dollars. It is far and away the biggest stimulus package we have ever, well, we haven't passed it yet, but will have passed. Um, The estimate of the most recent version was 1.8 trillion. You potentially will see some of that. The the current conversation is that individuals would get $1,200 each. Uh, Families would get more than that. Uh, But there would be a cap. So there would be an income cap. So it's not like they're going to just send wealthy people checks as well. but there do are Do you need
0: to apply for unemployment for that? Or do you need to have some sort of proof of income?
1: How does that how is that going to work for people? So uh, in terms of proof of income, I would assume they'll just go to tax returns to determine who will do that. Uh, as far as I'm aware, you will not have to apply for it. It will just be a check that is sent to you as long as you fit the specifications that they say, right? You don't make too much money, et cetera. Yeah, I'm just going to make your job so hard. What if you haven't
0: um, filed taxes yet because of the your the you know delay on
1: having to file taxes? My guess is they'll just base it off of the year before. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, because they actually extended the deadline. So April 15th is no longer the deadline. They pushed it, I think, to July. So... Um, so yeah, so in terms of how that'll happen, it'll, you know, it's sort of a check will show up if you, again, meet the considerations. If you make a lot of money, you won't get a check. And I think most people understand that rightfully so. Um, so in terms of, uh, the details and what is happening on the in the clashes of both parties, a lot is coming down to how much detail are they gonna require in the bill? Because the reason, so Democrats are pushing back on this bill that the Senate GOP is putting forward. The reason they're pushing back is there's currently a $500 billion essentially fund that the Treasury Department would have, as as it's currently stands and as I currently understand it, would basically have free reign to give. That is for the Democrats that they say that is a pretty scary proposition because there so are no rules. Where where are they worried that would we'll go to bailouts? bailouts? Uh, not just not just bailouts, but corp- to support corporations long term. The concern is that if there aren't specifications made as to where that money has to go, aka paid family leave, supporting workers, small businesses, etc., the concern is it's going to go to the corporations and. I think for Democrats, they're saying, look, we just have to look at the past, right? When it's come down to it, Republicans look out for, this is the Democrats say, Republicans look out for uh, the corporations. They're not looking out for the workers. Uh, and having a 500, they're calling it a slush fund, right? So having a $500 billion slush fund without any, uh, without or I shouldn't say any, without a lot of parameters as to where that money goes can be, a, I think, Understandably, anyone could say that could be a real problem. So, what's the Republicans' argument here? So, the Republicans' argument is we need something as fast as possible. Let's pass it right now. Their argument is this is the best, this is what we've got so far, and we need to get uh, support out there as soon as possible. But there's again, there's pushback also with, uh, and on both sides, actually, some of the Republican senators too. People are uncomfortable with the bailing out of industries. Um, Republicans on the Republican side, you know, that's not how they typically like to roll. Uh, And on the Democratic side, they say, we shouldn't be bailing out corporations, we should be bailing out families and businesses. Uh, And, you know, last time we bailed out corporations, they just did stock buybacks. So there has to be some sort of uh, mechanism put in place to prevent that because that just made the the shareholders wealthier. It didn't actually, that's not money that went to workers. Trump has actually come out and said he supports uh, that as well, but remains to be seen.
0: Well, speaking of Trump and some action that he has or has not been taking, can you explain what the defense production action is? That term has been thrown around a lot. Um, Democrats are like, I guess my understanding is that he enacted it but didn't take action upon it. And Democrats are wanting him to
1: take further action on
0: it why isn't Trump using it? What is it? Why isn't Trump using it? Why do Democrats want him to use it?
1: I don't know why Trump hasn't used it. That's unclear to me. Um, Wait, what he says, says, for people who are unfamiliar with it. So basically, it's uh, it allows the president to help uh, production or manufacturing. It's basically like a wartime tool that says, if we need wartime supplies, we can start going into quote, unquote, wartime production for whatever it is that we need. Now, so typically-
0: ventilators, hospital supplies, masks, anything like that.
1: Right. In this case, that's what it is, right? In right. the past, it's been different. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah, exactly. This is a different war. Uh, so in that case, yeah, it's talking about masks and ventilators and the and, and, and like. Um, unclear why he has not spurred that on. And yes, governors of both parties are asking for it.
0: OK. All right, that makes sense. Um, uh, Yeah,
1: it does seem bizarre why he hasn't started. Because it was actually, yeah. Sorry, I just realized, I I did read an article that said he's hoping to have corporations do it uh, sort of of their own volition. I just remembered, Uh, I read that earlier. And then Ford, who are now producing ventilators. And okay, that makes sense. Right, so he's saying he wants them to do it their own volition instead of, I think, having to pay for it. Oh, okay. I get that. All right. Because it seems
0: like you'd want this to be over as quickly as possible and to have people be, um, you know, I guess not drafted into jobs, but put into jobs that then could then uh, increase employment during this time, be doing things to boost the economy, doing things to boost the health of uh, his constituency. Um, So it does seem kind of interesting that he's not taking other action, because it seems like with an election year coming up, he'd want to solve this problem as quickly as possible. How long do we
1: think uh, President Trump has known about this? Um, They say they've known about it since uh, January, at least. Um, It was part of uh, intelligence reports that there was a virus and that it was spreading quickly. Um, And, you know, look, this is not a partisan statement. He brushed it aside, right? There's the video saying where he said, this is not an issue. It'll be just like the flu. It'll be gone in a second. Don't worry about it. So um, this this has been well known for... For now, months. So uh, yeah.
0: Other leaders have not had the same reaction. Other leaders said, don't worry about it in public, but then in private said otherwise. North Carolina Senator Richard Burr explained to me what went down uh, in that room. Explain to me the recording and what's going on now. You're talking about the stock issues with Burr? Well, yeah. So my understanding is that he had a private meeting with some group associate, like Tar Heel something, yeah. um, which as a former Dookie, I take offense to. Um, <laughs> but uh, all joking aside, but he basically warned them about the implications of this, warned them about how it would affect business, um, but then publicly was saying it wasn't a big deal and then sold off seven figures in stock. Yeah. No, that that really just beautifully sums it up. There's not... <laughs>
1: but then yeah, but he's not
0: he's not alone i'm picking on him because his was the most egregious but senator diane yeah, feinstein yeah. on the other side also sold off uh i think about six figures in stock before the economy tanked what i, I the, the most that i've read
1: is that they will face fines
0: mm-hmm. is there yeah, anything yeah. else that is gonna happen to that? probably no? not
1: kelly loffler is the other senator as well but she's i think she's a republican from georgia um, who also is part of this. Um, no, I mean, unfortunately, well, the punishment may just be that they lose their seat. Uh, Republicans are absolutely up in arms over Burr and outraged, uh, by him in particular, because he very forcefully and publicly came out and was like, yeah. don't worry about it, folks it's fine, so just
0: get all of my uh, whatever the different tax things are
1: <laughs> yeah exactly no <laughs> problem out real quick yeah I'll make money, but a lot of people will lose their jobs it's totally fine and fair um, so yeah no he my guess is he will lose his election um, probably Kelly Loeffler the same. She just got to the Senate. So that's uh, going to be a short short term that she's there. Yeah. Um, Dianne Feinstein, is ter- uh, she's putting it bluntly, she's a, a an older woman. And so she's probably not running again anyway, um, in which case maybe there would be fines. But they there's been a call for, and I think Burr even called for, he said, no, no, let the ethics committee look into it. So at the very least, there'll be an ethics committee uh, discovery. And uh, my guess is there'll be fines and he'll probably lose his job.
0: I know. And it's hard for me to stomach this, but I know it's true that because we're in such a time right now that everything is amplified and magnified, we probably figured this, we figured this out with the recording and stuff like that. But my guess is this isn't the first time that uh, senators and our leaders have done something like this. Unfortunately, there's a lot of corruption. What are some leaders that are, get, who are some leaders that
1: are getting this right? So I think um, a lot of people uh, uh, really are seeing what New York Governor Mario Cuomo is doing, and they are pretty pretty proud of his leadership. Uh, He's taking it seriously. He's basically, you know, he's not playing. It seems any sort of politics. He's trying to. Well, they all play politics, so it's all on a relative scale. But really trying to see this for the public health issue that it is, and saying like this is this is what matters. Um, I think the Ohio governor has also been really on top of things. He does briefings. He's the one who pushed the primary despite the fact that uh, there was a lot of pushback. And he said, No, I'm going to do this. And he exactly." did it himself. <laughs> exactly. And he was like, Whatever, I'm doing it. So I think people are seeing his leadership as another example. Uh, Gavin Newsom, you know, because the hot spots are New York and, and California yeah. right now. Um, I think people are seeing Gavin Newsom and saying that he's doing a really good job too, advocating on behalf of the citizens. So you're seeing it, like I said, it's either side. This is not a partisan, a partisan thing at this point. You're really just seeing leadership, really good leadership rise to the occasion. And that's a really what an Illinois governor as well. He's been really vocal about, uh, the needs for his state and what is and isn't happening. So I think people are really appreciative of, uh, What's, happened, what's going on and that the leadership that they have at the state level is working.
0: Is there a scenario where we come out of this more united and more willing to work across the aisle
1: together um, after
0: this pandemic?
1: Um, I think that this pandemic will I think it reminds us that we are literally all in this together because we share the same air, right? You can be wealthy or poor, and you still breathe the same air. So I think that this will be a value um, to you know remembering that it's literally we are one team, and you don't really have a choice in the matter. So on that front, I think it'll be, I think it'll be good. Um, do I think somehow this is gonna go kumbaya and we're all gonna be like, we're Americans and let's just be totally full of common sense? No, (laughs) I don't think that's gonna be the case. And I, you know, as things settle down. It's interesting,
0: obviously it's very different from from 9-11, but Mm -hmm. it was, it does feel like some sort of an attack that is attacking the country as a whole, which 9-11 felt like as well. And after that, we saw a huge level of unity and patriotism and, you know, kumbayaing. ing um, But it does feel like we're in a very different political climate now, so maybe we won't get to that point, but somewhere near, hopefully. Um, my last question before I get to questions from uh, people from Instagram is, how do you think that this will affect the election in November? Will it happen in
1: November? Will it be postponed? I'm pretty sure the the election will happen. One of the things that a lot of uh, great thinkers, uh, one of the things I've read is they said this may help us move not just to an election day, but an election week or an election month. So um, that's something to consider down the line. Do I n- think it'll happen this year? Not sure. Uh, I think it depends upon how long this lasts. But with social distancing, and again, once we have And now we are getting them. Having lots of tests changes the game completely. Because when you have data, you can track data, which means you can track hotspots, which means you can prep for where there could be a peak. It makes the whole situation so much better. Uh, So I don't think it's going to, it's not like we're going to all be in our homes in November. I I do not believe that. And none of the experts believe that or anything. Um, The impact that this will have on the election, I think, is going to be profound. Uh, but I, a lot will depend, I believe, on how well, how the economy does. Yeah. Um, I think, generally speaking, again, these are broad strokes I'm giving, but generally speaking, I think people are pretty disappointed the way that Trump uh, really missed the ball, dropped the ball, looked aside askance at the ball, whatever you want to call it, uh, at the beginning of this. So in, in terms of how he handled the health side of things, I think people are not so, not so thrilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, how the economy goes is probably what, will, what may end up deciding the election. I think everyone understands we are in a recession at this point. And uh, the question is, will the economy really be recovering in any way where he can say, hey, we had a global pandemic. And I you know, guided us through that pandemic. And now we're on the upswing it's going to be quite difficult, like it was never going to be an easy election, it's going to be quite difficult for him, but uh, he has a lot of money. I'm not saying personally, I'm saying his, uh, his campaign has a pretty, pretty deep war chest and Biden, who is presumably the nominee, I know it's not official, but given the numbers, Biden is at a disadvantage right now because no one is t- thinking about the election. People are concerned about how much money they have, so they're not going to be making contributions at the same level. Uh, even wealthy people, the stock market has has dipped yeah. considerably, so they've lost a fair amount of money. So, on the one hand, Trump—you know—it may not matter how much money Biden raises if if we're in a deep recession. Trump almost definitely loses. Um, mm, okay. But because people care mostly about two things, right? They care about their money and their health. So if they are healthy, but their bank All account the is not, <laughs> exactly, then they're probably going to be pretty displeased as to how this went. If somehow this stimulus is able to really catapult us out fairly quickly, sure. But if you just imagine this second quarter is decimated, are we going to really have recovered by November? Unf- probably not. I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to say everything is, is doom and gloom because it's not. And there are some beautiful things that'll come of this, but it's going to be a really rough summer. Yeah. Um, I think that's important to remind everybody. And I keep trying to do
0: this just for my own mental health, but also via the podcast and social media is like, there are going to be great things that come from this. There are going to be horrendous, gut-wrenching things that come from this, both to our families, our communities, maybe our own health, um, to our, to our economy, to our bank accounts. But at the same time, there's going to be so many, I've already cultivated an immense sense of gratitude for all of the things that I think we've taken for granted thus far. Um, I just want to hug someone. (laughs) Right. I've been, I've been saying, I'm like literally smothering my poor dog because it's the only touch I'm getting. I'm just like, get on top of me. Love me. um all right some rapid fire questions from instagram here one person says i work in reception at a medical clinic i have an immune compromised family member but have to go to work i feel a lot of guilt for not quarantining
1: any advice quarantine yourself away from them so like if you have to exist in the same house then you should sleep in a separate room and you probably should wear gloves when you're home if you have to share space. Um, but that's, I would, I mean, just being blunt, like I'd be concerned and I would quarantine within the apartment as much as possible. Yeah. Just yeah. keeping gloves on, uh, put a mask on them.
0: I don't know. I don't know exactly if that's the medical advice, but try not to touch anything in the kitchen, any common spaces anything like that now. Uh, Alejandro Mala 1970 on Instagram Live says, what is happening to
1: the homeless people right now? Um, that's a good question. I have uh, passed several um, and I've asked myself that question. Uh, it's tough, right? In terms of services, in terms of people being available, They're, they're, however bad we are experiencing it, it is exacerbated on their end sure. because they don't have they don't have access to soap, right? Like literally the best defense is a 25 cent bar of soap. So they, unfortunately, not all, but a lot of them are at a severe disadvantage because of it.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of ways that you can donate to organizations that are working to help uh, sanitation and, and, and hygiene initiatives for the homeless community. That said, um, if you, so donate money, awesome. That Again, we've been talking about the recession, so I understand if that's maybe not in, Uh, the cards right now but if you are somebody who has a lot of extra hand sanitizer uh, a lot of extra soap whatever it may be maybe donate that you don't Mm -hmm. need to donate it to a person directly but you can donate it to these organizations that are working to help these really really vulnerable communities right now yeah um all right next question that i've called from my instagram community how do i get tested I highly doubt I have it, but I still want to get checked. Better to be safe than sorry. Wrong answer.
1: <laughs> I agree. <laughs> okay, You do not get checked if you think you have it. Who cares? Because if you're asymptomatic, it doesn't matter. If you think you have it or you might have it, then yeah, stay home. Don't talk to anyone and don't touch anything and quarantine yourself, isolate. But. I, I'm sure you're a very nice person. Whoever asked that question, uh, but this is not the time to sort of like. I just want to be safe. The reality is, if you are not an elderly person and you are not immune suppressed, the chance of your having, if you're getting it, because we're all, you know, many of us will get it, pretty decent actually. The chance of you're having any serious ramifications from it, pretty low. Um, if you, particularly, if you are under 60 years old. It's like, no one is in the clear. I'm not implying there are not exceptions, but you're mostly fine. And if you're under 30, there's like z- basically almost zero mortality rate for healthy people. But you're still under, gonna have you know. a really
0: sucky flu, yeah. flu, most likely. You could be a carrier, you could have no idea, or you could have a really, really bad flu, which is what I'm seeing a lot on yeah. social media people having. I, I am under the mentality that everybody should act as if they have it, and as if everybody they come in contact with has it has as it. well. You don't need a test. You should just act that way. Quarantine yourself. Stay away from others, because you actually don't know if they're, they could be not showing symptoms. Again, they could be a carrier. You could be a carrier. Act as if you have it um, and protect yourself and protect the people around you. But you do not need to get a test, again, unless you are having trouble breathing um, yeah. stay home. Absolutely. Um, all right. I have symptoms confirmed by a doctor, but no way to get tested in Tennessee without being admitted to a hospital. How do I
1: know I, still,
0: I won't still be susceptible to COVID-19 later?
1: So if you have it, if you actually have it, then you will build up, you know, they believe you'll build up an immunity to it. So the chance of you being reinfected with that specific strain is not really a thing, right? It's They say it seems to be working just like other viruses, which is once you have it, you're probably not reinfected. Now, could you get reinfected by a different strain? Yes. In theory, that is possible. But if it is a close strain, maybe you have some immunity built up for that purpose. Um, so it, the reason they're not testing you, even if you have some of the symptoms, is because you probably don't have an extreme case of it. So you're just, you know, just stay at home, hang out. um Hydrate, sleep. Yeah, exactly. Watch Love is Blind. I don't know. <laughs> I just started that last night, in fact. It is addicting. That's what I do. Um
0: All right. I have two questions that are very, very similar. One that says, when will this all be over? And mm-hmm. one that says, when do we go back to normal? I really took it for granted.
1: Well, I think that's um, what you just said about taking it for granted. I think that's actually so one of the beautiful things that may come of this, which is, where we do take for granted being able to shake hands and hug and you know kiss people hello and goodbye, and uh, you know all the things. So um, on that point, I would say like yes, let's let's have some more of that gratitude. Um, what was the first part of the question? I'm so sorry. when, when will this all be over be over? Um, so it depends upon we will have a better idea in probably like a week or two when this will actually be over. Not to harp on the same point, but because we haven't had testing and we haven't had data, it's very hard to know what percentage of, and this serology, right, study of immunity, it's really hard to know what percentage of the population is now immune to it too. So in a couple weeks' time, we'll have a lot more info, and they'll be able to make a lot more educated decisions, which is awesome. (laughs) Um, The estimate that Dr. Pablos had given me was uh, he was hopeful that that in about a month's time, you know, we could really be cranking back, which would imply to me that he thinks maybe even in three weeks or even a couple weeks, right? They're going to do analysis, see what the data is showing. At that point, we'll have a much better sense. But if you want to be safe, like plan for this this discomfort for at least a month. And uh, if for some reason they haven't gotten it under control, it may be longer than that. One well, thing our, to- hope is,
0: our hope is, right, that it does last a little bit longer because we're flattening the curve, which extenuates the duration of this, but it decreases right. the amount of people.
1: Yeah, so the, the more extreme action you take and the faster you take that action, the better off you are, right? So uh, that's why we are all social dist, not all, but many of us are social distancing. It's exactly that. We're trying to flatten the curve. We're trying to prevent the peaks of patients that need those respirators and ventilators um, and people rushing to the hospital with serious a serious case of it. Um, something that Dr. Pablo said could happen is that uh, some of the more rural areas or not, you know, not the Midwest, uh, that those or rather, I should say, right now it's in California and New York primarily, right? but that because of travel patterns, et cetera, it is possible that uh, maybe in a month or so, some of the middle of the country sees some peaks. So you just want to be conscious of that. Again, there are waves and there are reasons there are waves.
0: And speaking of waves, will it be an annual thing like the flu? Scram
1: on Instagram Live wants to know. Um, I don't think, I mean... I, no no one has said that this is going to be an annual thing but if you look right we had h1n1 about a decade ago and that this is operating sort of similarly although h1n1 had higher mortality rates um so again you know this spread faster and this this is sort of more people um feeling some of the impact but in terms of mortality after speaking with him i felt a lot better because i i realized um you know unfortunately but for but fortunately for most people this really is a disease from a mortality perspective a death perspective that really just affects elderly people and i'm yeah. not trying to minimize anyone's life i'm just saying from a macro perspective in terms of what people may be concerned about um, we are going to be okay and he said look the numbers are going to be higher but he doesn't especially with all the social distancing and everything He doesn't think that, um, you know, there was this report that came out from the Imperial College in London, and that report is what apparently jolted uh, Trump and Boris Johnson in the UK to take stronger action. But what he said was that um, with the actions that are being taken, the numbers should prove to be significantly less. Um, And that in a typical flu season, up to something like 50,000 people die. Mm -hmm. Just in a typical flu season, he said he thinks. You know, he thinks obviously it'll be a little bit higher. Um, but he said he only thinks about maybe maybe two to three times higher. So nothing in the millions which that report was you know worried about.
0: So let this information quell your anxiety. Do not let it quell your quarantine. Stay inside. Yes. Um, there are still uh, if only for your grandma, stay inside, but if you're concerned about your health as well, there are a lot of young people who are being hospitalized. There are a lot of people who are dying as well. Of course, where this is just a generalization, uh, and Jackie's talking about percentages. So, if you are concerned about your own health, also stay inside. I think the rule of thumb here is to act like you have it and act like everybody else has it. You know, again, with Jackie's information, let it quell your anxiety. Yeah. Information is power. Do not overconsume uh, the news because you will go crazy. Make time for yeah. love is blind. Make time to, if you are quarantining with somebody else, make time to, uh, be with them. Enjoy this moment. I think, you know, again, we've talked about this throughout the podcast is we've already taken so much for granted. Mm-hmm. You have time now to be at home with your loved ones. Like really, 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 uh, bask in that and, and have gratitude for that um, and don't take it for granted. Jackie, thank you so, so, so much for coming on the podcast. I so appreciate your uh, wealth of knowledge. If you guys want more politics explained quickly, you can follow Jackie at Jackie Copal, which will be linked in the description box below. If you have a question and want to be featured on the next episode, please send me a DM to at Hannah Cranston or email tmthshow at gmail.com. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Also, if you have a moment during your quarantine, please rate and review this podcast. It is life for those of us in the podcast world. And just a reminder, we'll be coming at you every Wednesday. So buckle up because it's